0: Make sure you turn off Lilani's microphone, brother. I want to let you know that this fast was one of the hardest fasts, but at the same time, it was a blessing and a, one of the blessed fasts. Just turn out some of the, the monitors as well. Make sure her mute is mic. Thank you, because I knew I was fasting with you guys, so I was excited about that. I was excited about fasting with a bunch of radicals that wanted to do something great. So I want to hear your testimonies just briefly, 30 seconds, of what God did in your life. So who wants to go first? Who wants to testify first? Just something that God did. Liz, quickly come. And then just one after another, okay? Just come right after her. Amen. Amen. Glory to God. Um Definitely, what I kept hearing over and over in my prayer time was, Be still and know that I am God. I was so quick to rush and I gotta go to work and I gotta do ministry, and I gotta do all these other things and It was like when I was with my time with God, he just kept telling me, Be still and know that I am God and it was an eye opener for me just to find rest in him and so it was a really good experience. I loved it <laughs> Amen. God. Amen. This fast was amazing, you know um in times past, I did you know complete fast, and you know people were encouraging me to do it again, but you know people's good ideas are are not always God's ideas, you know and and god God told me you know to, to fast a certain way, so I obeyed you know, and He broke through in so many different areas of my life that I just felt like this fast brought a breakthrough a breakthrough, and that that's what it was for me. Amen. Um, me, I just continuously um, hear the Lord saying, rejoice in your salvation. Like, no matter what happens, no matter how hard times get, just rejoice the fact that you're saved. So. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Yes. Uh, the 21-day fast was awesome. God really spoke to me in, in, in very encouraging words. He really lifted me up a lot. He was telling me who I was to him in his eyes. And uh, reading his scripture, he really revealed a lot like, I, things I never even, like, I thought I would even know about the word, and um, he used it mightily, too, just spontaneously, without really uh, planning anything, like, times where, like, I'm going somewhere, and then suddenly, it's divine appointment, I'm doing something, I'm praying, and I'm h- asking for healing, and there's somebody that always in need, so it was, it was awesome, praise God. Man, God is good, uh, the word that God spoke to me was uh, faithfulness and perseverance, and I was like, man, God, I am faithful. He was talking about his faithfulness for, to me. And sometimes you, you may overlook that, but it's like he's been faithful here and there and there. You just go back and you look at how God has been good to you. It's just like it's been a blessing. And so God's been bringing me close to his heart, and I see that. And so more perseverance to, to the ministry in, in Ohio Park and throughout it all, in school, whether it is, it's perseverance. So. Amen. 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 Bless the Lord for all these wonderful testimonies. Open up your Bibles with me to Zechariah chapter 4. One of the most unique things that I received during this fast was a mandate to study a book of the Bible that I have never done, and that is Zachariah. And one of the reasons why I really feel the Lord wanted me to do this is because I witness to Muslims a lot, and you know, we were just street preaching at Devon Avenue where the Islamic community is here in Chicago. And while we were preaching there, I met a scholar from Harvard who got his... Um, Islamic studies degree from Harvard. I asked him if I could get the Christian degree studies in Saudi Arabia, just to uh, tease him a little bit. It's something how they can come to America, go to a, a university like Harvard that once was Christian, and get his doctorate in Islamic studies. Anyways, I met another... Uh, young man who was going to become a scholar in Islamic studies, and we began to discuss so many things about the Bible and the differences, but what I felt was a common ground is when I can show them that the prophets of the Bible taught what we believe, because they say that the prophets teach what they believe, and Zechariah is one of the prophets they recognize, very unique, you know, you would think, why not Daniel, why not Isaiah, the other ones, but Zachariah. and so, Not only for my own benefit, but I'm going to go through a personal study of Zechariah and point out all of the prophecies, the Messianic prophecies that are within Zechariah. So, uh, Lord willing, I'll be presenting those to you and the chapels here on Monday. That's my heart's desire. I say Lord willing because most of the time I don't preach with notes as Right now, you know, no notes. That's normally how I do it. I uh, Don't recommend that for the youngins. Don't recommend that. <laughs> don't don't want to hear you babble and wander around a whole lot. Okay, this is just after 13 years of doing it. Okay, and still I I have notes in my heart. That's a whole other discussion. But uh, Lord willing, that would be what we'll be discussing. Now today I want to bring a grand finale to our fasting and praying and to our time of seeking God. And I want to encourage you to always do that on your own in private prayer and devotion, to always personally seek God, to let the Lord speak to you and let Him share with you, hey, I want some alone time today. Let's just you and I hang out and you skip lunch. And, you know, God says, let's, let's talk to each other and let's share our hearts. And you get alone with God and you pour out your heart to Him. And He pours out His heart to you. I want you to get in the habit of having alone time with God. And I want you to understand that those times are the times where you'll be strengthened the most. Okay, there are things that we will take by force. The Bible says that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent will take it by force. So there are principles in the kingdom where you and I have just got to fight. We've got to growl. We've got to spit. We've got to crawl. We've got to pimp slap. You know what I'm saying? And just take it from the devil. You know what I'm saying? Just let my people go, fool. You know, and just take it. Okay? Take it by force. Don't ask. Just take it. Okay? There's times like that. But then the Bible says you need to have faith like a child. And there's times in your life where you just need to humble yourself and just say, well, of course, we're always supposed to be humble, but I'm talking about specifically when you're requesting things. You're not demanding it. You're not shouting for it. You're sitting on your father's lap. Abba, Father, Daddy, Lord, show up in this area of my life. I need you. I need you. And I want you to be able to recognize both of those times. And I'm going to share with you some stories from the Bible on how to recognize both of those times. Starting in Zechariah chapter 4, we get the mandate. From God about where our source of power comes from. Zerubbabel is trying to rebuild the temple. They have been exiled in Babylon for 70 years. Now they're coming back to Jerusalem to rebuild the temple. All of these different situations are raise, rising up, financial situations, trouble with their friends in neighboring countries and people inside the, the city who don't want it to be rebuilt. And God encourages Zerubbabel with these words. He says in verse 6, He said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by my, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord Almighty. You see, that's the word. That's what we depend on. That's the word for us today. It is not by our might. It is not by our power. But it is by God's Spirit. You and I cannot accomplish anything in the kingdom without the Spirit of God. There is not one thing we can do. Listen to me. It's not like you're playing a basketball game and you're doing pretty good, but if you put on these Jordan Airs, you'll play just a little bit better. It's not like you can go through the Christian life without the Spirit of God and still get along pretty good, and then the Holy Ghost will come, and you'll just get a little extra boost. No, let me tell you what it's equivalent to. It's equivalent to you being in NASCAR, having no gas, no car, no engine, no wheels, you sitting there holding the steering wheel, sitting on the runway. That's what it's like without the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is the engine. The Holy Ghost is the gas. The Holy Ghost is your chassis. The Holy Ghost is the gas pedal. It's all that and then some. You and I cannot do one thing in ministry without the Holy Ghost, let alone live our Christian walk. There is no way you can point your finger and a demon come out in your authority. The Bible says that the seven sons of Sceva tried to do it and they ended up getting beat and chased out the place naked. Okay, there is no way you can even heal a cold, a sniffle. Okay? You don't have the power. I don't have the power. You and I cannot convert souls. We cannot come with the wisdom of this world and convince them. And convince them, no, because if they're argued into the kingdom of God, they can be argued out of the kingdom of God. Our reliance has to be today and forever upon the Spirit of God. This is where it comes from. Not by might nor by power, but by the Spirit of the Lord. I want you to see these words echoed by Jesus in Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1, Jesus is going to ascend to heaven and He's giving His words to His church starting verse 8 and He's teaching them. What they need. and I'll just start up a few verses earlier actually. On verse 4 he says, On one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Fuego de Dios. Come on, fire of God. Move on down here. They ask him, when will he come back? How will we know? He's not even on that right now. What he's saying is, we got to get a world ready for my return. Because if Jesus would have brought Armageddon that day, there would have been only about 120 of them going to the kingdom. Are you listening to me? It would have been like... It would have been a lonely old kingdom. You would have been like, Peter, 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 are you over there? Are you over there? There would have been nobody in the kingdom. Are you with me? Jesus was saying, hold on, before I come back, you guys have got to do something. He said, it's not for you to know the times or the days. This is Verse 7, the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea, Samaria, into the ends of the earth. Hallelujah. You see, God wants to give us power. And I have heard people go back and forth on the Greek word of power, dunamis. It doesn't always mean explosive power. I don't know what they think it means, but I'll tell you what I know. It means by personal experience. It means Jesus takes TNT, lights the wick, puts it inside of you, and watches you explode. And he says, that's what I'm talking about. You see, if I lit a TNT bomb, a nuclear bomb in this place, nothing would be the same. Nothing. It would all be changed. Now some people say, are we just supposed to destroy things with the power of God? No, the power of God can destroy and the power of God can create. The power of God has the opportunity to destroy the works of devil, things that can never break off of your life. When the Holy Ghost comes, you're not addicted like you used to be. When the Holy Ghost comes, you're not timid like you used to be. Things break off and explode. It's power. This is raw energy power from the Holy Ghost. The same one who created the Son creates the power in you through the Holy Ghost. And then at the same time, if you've ever seen machines and things create things with power, uh, just for example, I like to watch, you know, Orange County Choppers. Anybody ever seen that? And they have this flow machine, this flow machine that water can come out so powerful it can cut through metal. And it can form the, the the most minute details on these metal things that they could put as emblems on the motorcycles you see god 's power is so strong that he can shape you, inform you, and make you who he wants to be, and create things in your life that 's the power that he 's talking about here, and where does it come from? Does it come from yourself? Does it come from your own energy, energy, and efforts? No, it comes from the Holy Ghost. So I want to encourage you to always be dependent upon God. To see Him in your life as your only hope. As your only answer to every problem. He's the only answer. Sometimes when you're in ministry, you're going to face situations where you're going to think, well, maybe me calling the alderman or a city official is the answer. That is not the answer to your problem. Sometimes you're going to think to yourself, well, if I talk to Mr. Big Bucks in the church, he or she is the answer. No, they are not the answer. Sometimes you'll say, well, if I just get really creative and I get this advertising scheme that, that looks like, you know, this company over here, and if I imitate it, then people will come to my church. No, that is not the answer. You can have those things and those can help us, but the answer alone is the power of God. Period. That is the answer. Jesus is the answer. Yes. Jesus is the answer for the world today. Above Him there's no other Jesus is the way. That's an old school song by Andre Crouch, and I want to tell you that is more true today in this society with your friends, community, and everything you'll do in ministry. Jesus is the answer. Somebody may come to you and say, Pastor, my child just died. I don't know what to do. I feel God has forsaken me. I need you to do the funeral. You know what? You, You will have no clue what to say, and that's okay. But you know what? Jesus is the answer. You can tell them, sister, brother, I don't know what to give you as an answer, but I know Jesus is the answer. Let's just go to Him. Let's just go on our knees. I remember the day my sister died. My mother came into the room at 5 in the morning, tears in her eyes. She said, your sister just died drinking and driving. And I just was getting out of bed. And I just grabbed my mother by the shoulder and just took her right down with me to my knees. And I just said, Jesus, if there ever was a time I needed you, it is now. Come to us. And the only way we made it through that hard time of losing a, a loved one was because of Jesus. Every situation, somebody comes to you and they say, I'm committing, uh, considering suicide. I, I've already tried it and I don't, I don't know. I want to try it again. You need to tell them Jesus is the answer because the Holy Ghost within you can set them free. You see, when Jesus came, He was in instituting a church built upon the Holy Spirit. One time a Chinese Christian came to America and he had surveyed all of the churches and they were taking him around to this church and that church and they asked him at the end of his journey, man, what did you think about the American church? What did you think about everything we showed you? And he said, I am amazed at what they can do without the Holy Spirit. He says, it's amazing what they can do without the Holy Spirit. That's what a Chinese Christian said of us. They can have these programs. They can have this this image of growth. They can advertise their events. They can sing songs and choirs. You know what? Las Vegas has shows and, and music and crowds. Are you listening to me? They pack out the house too, my friend. Listen to me. The devil still has the biggest youth group in church in town. It's called the Bears. It's called the Saints. Are you listening to me? Hello. We need to understand. It's not by singing and dancing and wooing people with our soft-hearted messages and laughs and giggles and comic acts. It is through the power of God that people are set free and forever changed. And don't you ever forget it! Never, ever forget it that this pastor stood here today across this Internet and to everybody. It's not by mind nor by power, but by the Spirit, says the Lord. Turn with me to Luke chapter 4. Look at what Jesus emphasized. Why are you here, Jesus? Are you here to give us enlightenment? Are you here to give us these fancy teachings of the philosophers? No, look what Jesus said. Luke chapter 4. Hallelujah. Looking at verse 1. Jesus full of the Holy Spirit. Come on, you get the point right there. What was Jesus full of? Was he full of man's ideas? Was He full of earthly wisdom? Was He full of just what people wanted Him to do, popularity, win friends, influence people? No, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit in the desert, where for 40 days He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during these days, and at the end He was hungry. See, He's fasting. And he begins to get tempted, and I wish I had time to read it all, but I don't. But what does he use to combat the temptation of the devil? The Word of God. So he's full of the Holy Ghost. He now is uh, ending a fast, full of God's power, and he gets tempted. He uses the Word. That's an encouragement to you. See, he's dependent upon God. He's dependent upon God even in his temptations. Now you go on down. To chapter 4, uh, starting in verse 16, he overcomes the devil's temptations. He goes into Galilee in the power of the, what? Of the Spirit. He comes in power. Look at verse 14. In the power of the Spirit. Hello, somebody. If Jesus relied and needed the power of the Holy Spirit, how much more are you and me today? Praise God. And then he, uh, the Bible says the whole truth spread everywhere. He taught in their synagogues and everyone praised him. Verse 16, he went to Nazareth what's he, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day he went to a synagogue as was his custom. And he stood up to read. The scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found a place where it is written. Here's his purpose. He is quoting from Isaiah chapter 61. Here it is. The Spirit of the Lord is on me. Come on. He's on me. God is on me. His power is on me. I'm full of his power because he has sent me to uh, preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, to release the oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what your ministry mandate is. Never forget it. Always put that in your heart. Not by might nor by power, but by your spirit, oh God. I am here to preach the gospel to the poor. I am here to heal the brokenhearted, as it says in Isaiah 61. I am here to set the captive free. Recovery of sight to the blind. Proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's why I'm here. That's the thug-dizzle for the load for sizzle, you heard? That's what I came to do, was to move And operate in God's power. How? How did Jesus do it? He did it because He was Jesus, no? The Bible says in Philippians chapter 2, the kenosis, when he emptied himself, he emptied his right of the divinity, the power that he had, not setting it aside for good, but just laying aside the glory itself, still maintaining his divine nature, but he set aside the privileges of God, allowing himself to be hungry like a man, allowing himself not to know all things like a man, and he became totally dependent upon God's Spirit. The only way He knew about the woman at the well was from the Holy Spirit. The only way He could heal the sick was by the Holy Spirit. He became an example unto us. And at the end of the book of John, He says, These things that I have done, you can do and even greater. Why? Because I go to the Father to send the Holy Ghost to you. You see, today we need a church of leaders who are dependent Upon the Holy Ghost. I can tell you stories of churches that would razzle and dazzle you. And you know this church, and we're talking to other people here. We're not talking about being dirty and, and not having nice things, and no, we're not talking about forsaking, you know, wisdom in all ways. But listen to me. I can tell you where churches just relied upon men's wisdom and how they failed in doing what God called them to do. I could tell you about youth groups that I would visit and see and they would have the game rooms and they would have you know, the basketball goals and they would have all of these things and they were failing to make an impact into people's lives for eternity. Why? Because it's not by our mind. It's not by our power. And I can tell you about ministries that never had any of those things, but they had praying women, praying men, people who knew how to pray and touch God. I could tell you about Smith Wigglesworth, who knew how to touch heaven and change earth, raised people from the dead. I could talk to you about John G. Lake, who went to Africa and set the place on fire. I could talk to you about Evan Roberts in the Welsh revival, who got woken up in the middle of the night seeking God for hours, would fall on his face in services and not preach until God... God's glory came. You see, they didn't have the carnival following them saying, dun, 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 come to church. No, they had God with them. And when God was with them, he would change the world they lived in. Why? Because God loves to show his power. The Bible says that he searches to and forth across the earth, looking to show himself mighty in his people. He is looking for the opportunity to reveal His glory on this earth because it's for His name. I want you to turn with me to the book of Kings. And I want to teach you now about how to understand that God comes in different ways by His Spirit. I want us to look at the story after Elijah, first kings, had faced on Mount Carmel the prophets and then he goes to Mount Horeb. In chapter 19, and he goes to a cave. Now, I want you to understand this. That was the introduction. Now, here's the text. Here's what we're getting to. Are you with me? Don't lose me now. We got excited, but now i got to teach you something. Here's what I'm trying to say. Elijah was on Mount Carmel, and the power of God came. Fire. And when God came, the glory was of the Lord destroyed the sacrifice. He had poured water on it. He had showed them that there was no way that this was a trick. And then after the fire came down on that altar, He then commanded that these prophets of Baal be killed and murdered. I want to tell you something today. That the only reason why Elijah could call down fire in this test of whose God was right, the only reason why he could do that, because he knew the God of the power, the God of the fire. He didn't worship fire. He didn't worship the, the power itself. He knew the God of the power. And why couldn't the prophets of Baal do it? Because they didn't know God. Now, I want you to understand something here. I wish I had time to explain it. It just would take too long, but go back and read it. Listen, the prophets of Baal were religious. When they danced around their altar to try to call down fire, they did everything they could by their own might. By their own strength, they cut themselves. They yelled and screamed louder. And I love Elijah because he mocks them. And he says, hey, maybe your God is using the bathroom. Maybe you should shout a little louder. And nothing happens. And I am afraid today that many churches are like that. That they're doing all of these things that seem religious, but they're nothing more than works of the flesh, and it doesn't bring the fire of God. Oh, and you might stop me right there, and you might say, oh, but but they're not worshiping Baal. No, these are Christians. These are people who love Jesus. But listen to me, my friends. The Bible says in 1 John, there's many Jesuses, there's many people who come to convince us of different truths that divert us. In Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Paul says that there's many Jesuses. In Galatians, he says that there's many Gospels, chapter 1. You, you see, what we've done in America is I believe many churches are calling something Jesus. They're calling it the Gospel. But it's no more the Gospel than I'm the man on the moon. You see, worshipping Baal wasn't for retards. You know, we look at idolatry and we think that people would just look at an idol and go, oh, this, this statue's my God. Oh, this God is so powerful. That was never their mentality. Their mentality was their God is represented in that statue. See, I've been to India. You know, they don't carry around this statue going, this literally, this thing is our God. No, what they're saying is this represents our God. Remember with Aaron at the time of Moses on the mountain, what happened with the golden calf? He said, here, this calf is the God who led you out of Egypt. You understand? What's my point? You can have good intentions and say, well, well, this is Jesus. Th- this is Jesus. See, Jesus doesn't send anybody to hell. See, that's another Jesus. Oh, th- this, this Jesus right here just always tells everybody they're going to be okay. See, this Jesus right here, he has a crowd of people, and his main priority is always keeping the crowds because he doesn't want to offend anybody. You see, this, this, Jesus right here accepts homosexuals and allows them to live in same-sex relationships. See, this, this is a Jesus right here. You understand? And you see what happens, just like the prophets of Baal, is we as the church, the, the people of God at times, they substitute the real Jesus for an antichrist, for a false spirit of Jesus. And they say, this is Jesus. And really, it's not Jesus. It's just as wicked of an image as Baal was to the Israelites. And then we get around that Jesus and we dance and we shout or we go to these churches and we say that this is what God is about. But the problem is it doesn't bring fire. It doesn't bring fire. It doesn't bring the fire. It may have works of flesh. You know, Christian radio may be popular. The the music may be sold in homes across the nation. Books may be number one top sellers. Are you listening to me? It, it, It may appear on Larry King Live and Dr. Phil, but it doesn't mean that it's coming with the fire of God. So Elijah knew the God of the fire. He wasn't worshiping fire, which sometimes we Pentecostals do. We get off track and we worship the gifts. We worship, worship. We're all just about the experience. But no, it's about knowing the God who brings the fire. Knowing the God who has the power. Knowing Him and loving Him. And when we have that relationship with Him and we call on Him, boom, there it comes. The fire comes. And thank God we don't execute the backslidden church. We revive them too. Amen? Aren't you glad you don't live in the Old Testament? Amen? All right, church members, line up. Off with your head. That's what he did to the prophets of Baal. Have mercy, Lord. Once again, not the message. After that experience of great power, of great moving of God's Spirit, he now goes to a mountain and he's afraid. Why? Because when he killed those prophets of Baal, Jezebel, the wicked queen of the king Ahab, now wants to kill Elijah wants to hunt him down, wants to kill him, and he flees to this mountain, and he's afraid. Look at chapter 19, verse 1. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me, be it ever severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like one of them. Look at this right here, the man who called fire, sister. Look at it, verse 3, come on. The man who had called down fire. The man who knew the principle that the violence shall take it by force. Come on. The man that knew how to kick down the door of the devil, mock the devil while he did it, and see God's glory and slay 300. That man right here, look at verse 3. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. You see, because all of a sudden he came to a situation that he was not familiar with. He was used to the God that came by fire, but he wasn't used to the still small voice that could comfort him in his times of trouble. You see, you have to understand it's never by might nor by power. It's not on the good day or the bad day. You have to learn how to get alone with God and have Him meet you where He is. Sometimes He comes in power. Sometimes He comes in a still small voice. You need to learn how to recognize both because Because if you ever depend upon yourself, you will be afraid. And no matter all the great victories you've seen in life, you will become afraid and want to run away. I heard Chancellor say on on the last chapel that 2 out of 20 ministers are all that make it in life. Only 2 out of 20. That means 18 out of 20 ministers fall short of being a minister their whole life you see my friends you can't rely upon yourself and you can't just see God in one way he's not just the God who comes by fire with the spirit like on Pentecost like on Mount Carmel he's also the God that knows how to comfort you how to be there with you how to walk alongside you how to hear your cries and your tears and to speak softly and gently to your heart you need to learn how to depend upon that because it's not always fireworks and bells and whistles in the kingdom. Of God, it's not always casting out demons and raising the dead. Sometimes it's you just sitting alone by yourself, wondering if you can make it to another day because people didn't come to your service. So and so's messing with you on the internet, calling your name, and you got to learn just how to get alone and trust God and say, "I'm here. Speak to me, Lord." And then hear the still, small voice of God, because your heart. Is humble, like a child. And you can receive from God something that you never could have received before by shouting. Nothing would have come to you by shouting. Nothing would have come to you by dancing. Nothing against those things. But listen to me, you had to quiet yourself and say it's not by my mind. It's not by my shouts and power. It's by His Spirit. And I need Him. Elijah goes away afraid. And as he goes away he comes to this place and he says, take my life. I'm no better than the, my ancestors. And he basically, he wants to die. He's asking God to kill him. God says, eat these things because you're about ready to take a journey. He's He then traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he meets, reaches Mount Horeb, the mountain of God, that he went into a cave and spent the night. So here's a man that has fasted and prayed 40 days and 40 nights after He had this great time of depression and loneliness. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? Verse 10, he replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. And you see, what you see uh, at this point is that God is speaking to him to encourage him. He thinks he's the only one. Now listen right here. The Lord said, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about ready to pass you by. So the Lord says, Elijah, you're my soldier, and I'm not going to let you get depressed. I'm not going to let you fall short. I'm going to pass by. And I'm going to give you a taste of the new covenant glory that's going to be in every believer. I'm going to let you taste it. You see, they didn't have that inward personal baptism of fire like we have. They had this power that would come upon them and lift and come upon them and lift. He says, I'm going to give you a taste of it. You see, you have to understand that God cares about you even though you're in ministry. And you might think to yourself, well, pastor, that's obvious. It's not always obvious. I remember after being in ministry 10 years, my wife can attest to you that there was a time that I didn't know if God was with me anymore. It wasn't that I didn't doubt, that I doubted God. It wasn't that I doubted God's power. It's just at that time I was hearing the words of my enemies and people speaking over me like Jezebel. And I thought God had left me because they didn't like me. And I was being attacked and in my place of sorrow, God said, go out and witness. Go out and preach. And I began to street witness. And as I began to witness to homeless people and tell them about God's grace and how we could save them, and no matter what they had done, God would still be there. I said it with such joy, and I had such faith that God could change them. I mean, they could have been a murderer. They could have been a child molester. And I'm sitting there saying, I know God can change you. I know God can do it. And then God spoke to me that day, and He said, Can I not still forgive pastor's sins? Can I not still change pastor's life? You are not to the point where you failed me or done something wrong or the enemies have rejected you where I don't love you anymore. Because if I love that homeless man, I love you. And then God told me this truth. He said, if I loved you when you were a high school drop-off, when you were on drugs, before you knew how to do one righteous thing, when you were a wicked sinner, if I loved you that day, how much more do I love you today when you please me and you seek after my heart? You see, and so you have to understand that in times of ministry, discouragement comes, and you'll feel in yourself, maybe it works for everybody else, but it doesn't work for me. And maybe you've seen great victories, but then at the end of those great victories, it feels empty again. Because why? You can't live in victories. You have to live in the Spirit. Just winning souls won't make you happy. We say it all the time. Living for drugs, alcohol won't make you happy. But it's the same thing with ministry. Just living for the power, just living to do good things won't make you happy. You have to find your total happiness. And being totally surrendered to the glory of God. You have to be totally in love with Him. To be totally loved by Him. To receive it. He always loves you. But unless you just get enamored by Him, you won't receive it. Your heart will be so hard because you look at ministry to feed you. And ministry can't feed you. So here's Elijah. He's depressed. He's sad. He knows the Sheikah Bumba power of God. And he's wanting to give up now because there's some problems. And God says to him, I'm going to pass by you. Look at the rest of verse 11. Then a great and powerful wind tore through the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. You see, what is Elijah thinking now? Right on, right on God, I'm gonna get a Moses experience. He's thinking like with Moses on Mount Sinai, the mountain's gonna light up, it's gonna shake, and then Jesus is gonna come by. Which he knew then as the angel of the Lord, come on. So, he, he's, he's thinking this is gonna happen, but the wind comes and tears to the rocks, but God's not in the wind hallelujah. After the wind there was an earthquake but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire just like on Mount Carmel, just like the cloud by day and fire by night Liz, come on, fuego but the Lord was not in the fire and after the fire came oh come on somebody oh I thank God for this right here a gentle whisper When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. You see, God came to him in a gentle whisper. You see, you can't hear the whisper if there's all these things going on in your head. All these lies of the devil. You have to learn... To get to the place where even if your own heart condemns you, you still trust in the Lord. Like 1 John said, even if our heart condemns us, we have a better testimony, a witness. Even if the enemies, their, their, their words are playing in your mind like a broken record, even if those thoughts are so loud, you have to be able to shut them down. And hear. What God is saying, think of a child. You can have fun with a child. You can run and shout and play. But it's those times right before you lay them to bed that you just whisper in their ear, I love you. Daddy's proud of you. I'll always be here. You need to learn to hear the gentle whisper of God. Because there will be times in your life fasting and praying and you'll be shouting and you'll be on your knees and you'll be out witnessing and you'll be doing all those good things. You'll be seeking the kingdom and His righteousness, applying that word of pursuing God and applying the word of violently taking it by force. But God won't be in that. What He will be in is that time you get all alone by yourself. Shut the door. And you're not trying to argue with a sinner to make them believe. You're not shouting so your pastor thinks you're radical. You're not trying to prove it to anybody. You just sit there and you say to God, I am here. In your brokenness, you say, God, I need You. Pass by me. And He will come. And He will encourage you and he will remind you that all those things you're doing are great and they're awesome because you should cast out devils and call down fire and cut off the prophets of Baal's head. But never forget, it's not about those things. It's about the Spirit of God that lives within you, God within you, the relationship that you have with him. He'll say, never forget, I didn't call you first to be a preacher. I called you first to be with me. I called you first to commune with me. Come back to your first love. Listen to these words of encouragement and let them encourage you now. Verse 14. He says, Elijah says, I've been very zealous for the Lord Almighty. The Israelites rejected your covenant. The Israelites have broken down your altars, put to death your prophets with sword. I am the only one left. And now they're trying to kill me. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also anoint Jehu, son of Nishai, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from Abel Mahalah to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will be put to death, will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Hazel. And Elisha will put to death anyone who escapes the sword of Jehu. And just one more thing. Yet I've reserved 7,000 in Israel. All those whose knees who have not bowed to Baal. And all whose mouths have not kissed Him. All of a sudden... His world has fallen apart just a few moments ago. And just in a moment, God just sets the whole thing straight. Anoint this person, do this, go over here, have an assistant, and then it's all going to work out. And hey, by the way, there's 7,000 more. Now go on, kid. Get back out there and keep fighting because you can make it. I'm on your side. See, God knows how to do it in one moment. One moment. God can do more in one moment than we can do in a lifetime. He can set it all in order. There's been so many times in this church where shouting didn't do it because, you know, I've tried to shout at some of you all to do it, in this church to do it, and shouting won't do it, and just witnessing won't do it. But God, just alone in my prayer time, will say, Get that student center. Go over here. Start S-U-M Bible College. And just within one moment, boop download and the answer comes and God says, go on now. I'm with you. But how did he come? He came when I quieted my heart and I said, I know it's not about me and it's not just about the boom. It's about you passing by, whispering in my heart and giving me the instruction that I need because you love me. Never forget that. It's always about God. It's always about His Spirit. Because there will become times in ministry where you won't know how to make it all work. And you'll have shouted. And you'll have jumped. And you'll fast. And you'll plead with God. But listen to me. It's not by your might. It's not by your power. It's by the Spirit. And I want to encourage everyone here today and everybody listening. To learn how to get alone with God in those quiet times. To learn how to have those experiences with the Lord. Because those times, my friends, will be the greatest times you ever have with God. I don't count my great experiences with God anymore because of crowds and big services. To me, the greatest times with the Lord are those times that I'm alone. Those are the times that I've marked in my heart and set in my heart as the greatest times I've had with God because He met me that day in the shower. He met me that day when I was on the streets by myself. He came that day when I was bending knee at my my bed and seeking His face. Those are the times that I remember God was there. That time I was driving away from New Orleans having to close that door, shut down that building and tears coming down my eyes and Him just speaking to my heart. Lo, I'm with you always, even unto the ends of the age. Just knowing that no matter what I did, God was still there. And He's with you. And we will do great things for God. Just never forget how to get alone with Him. How to learn to be like a child. Remember when the disciples came back and they were so excited that they had cast out devils and they were rejoicing? What did Jesus then instantly just check them on? What did He just turn their enthusiasm towards? What did He say? Don't just rejoice over that. Rejoice that your names are written in the book of life and that there are angels up there who know your name. Never forget that in ministry, my friends. And if you read the rest of the story of Elijah, he had a wonderful, tremendous ministry. But if you ask me, I think from that moment forward, he was never the same. Because at that point, he knew it wasn't just about being a prophet that called down fire and cut off people's heads. He knew that it was about being humble and a child and being with his daddy. That's how he could take now Elisha with him and share with him the great truths of God because now he understood it's about God. It's about His glory. It's not just about us doing exploits. Amen? Would you all stand up today and just get on your knees or or your face at the altar here and just move around if you can. And Would you make a quiet time of prayer, those of you by Internet, wherever you are, and... Let's do something different out of our ordinary, which is shouting and jumping and all of that. And let's just, in this time of praying and fasting, and those of you around internet, come on, just join us. And let's just get alone with God for a few moments this afternoon. We're going to take the next 15 minutes of our time, till 1230, to hang out with God. Jesus I wanted to know how to end this time of fasting and I was so excited about bringing this this type of a word that would be shouting and jumping and then we would lay hands on everybody but while I was back there the Lord just reminded me of this word that we need to learn the still quiet voice that gentle whisper just seek God today If your heart cries out, don't be ashamed. It's not like now we all have to be quiet. If your heart cries out, start crying out. It's okay. But I want to give you permission just to hear from God today. Because God can answer some situations in your life right now. That you and I couldn't do in a lifetime. So what I want you to do is open your heart to Him. Don't even put the problem before Him, but just open your heart to Him and worship in your quietness right now and let Him speak. And if He doesn't speak right now, that's okay. But He will. Because you're going to learn the principle of getting alone with God. Getting alone with the Lord.